on the internet, and uh, if you've downloaded this, it's great to great to have you listening in. I want to talk this morning, just for just for a few minutes, on the on the topic of uh, prayer, and particularly addressing the uh, the uh, question: Why is it that sometimes God seems not to answer our prayers? Why is it that we can sometimes feel, and maybe feel a lot actually, that we're living in a kind of a scenario where God is not answering prayer? And so there are lots of uh, philosophical and logical ideas about this that, that float around. I'm going to give you very, very simply three just thoughts for you to consider when we're talking about prayer. Why does God sort of not answer prayer. Why is it that the vast majority of people, even you know, listening to me or here in the room, could not come and give a testimony right now of God answering prayer that's happened in the last few days? You know, why is that? So here are my three reasons you can maybe think of many, many more. Uh, why is some prayer unanswered by God? Number one, because we don't ask. Uh, the main reason I, I would suggest to you why God doesn't answer some of my prayers is, it's, and it's not a trick thought, it's just the truth, is because I'm not asking for things. The main reason why we don't have a God who's always answering prayer is because we are not always asking in prayer. Right? So you, you follow what I mean. We don't have too many prayer answering stories because we are not great at doing the praying bit first. If only we would learn to trust God and to, and, to, and, to, and to capture again, which is what I want to maybe do this morning, that God answers prayer. And if we, if we kind of had that, we would, we would pray a lot more. Uh, what can happen is we can turn it. We can have a scenario where we pray because we ought to, uh, and because people might ask us, "Well, did you pray about this?" And I want to, and, and, and I want to be able to say yes, or I want to. I want my conscience to be to be okay. So I'm going to pray about it, but I don't really expect God to do anything about my situation. The main reason why we don't <laughs> have answers to prayer is because we do not pray. And this verse here, James 4 and verse 2, a great favorite verse, it says this, You have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. There's an occasion, and we'll look at it in a minute. Jesus says to his disciples, You know what, fellas, he says, this is towards the end of John's gospel, he says, You haven't asked me for anything in my name up to now. You should ask me for things. And I am going to do them for you. What happens is, we go through a period where we, and this is my analysis of it, I may or may not be correct, but I think we go through periods where we pray, and we don't seem to get answers, so we, we grow discouraged. And it's particularly because we don't get the answers in the time frame that we wanted them. And so we get discouraged, and we kind of, prayer is not really, it becomes a last resort rather than something that we do first of all. 
when it comes to some of the issues in our lives. So let me encourage you, not with my words, but with the words of Jesus. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Uh, I was reading something just uh, not, not so long ago. And it was to do with the Gospel of Luke. That in the Gospel of Luke, 50% of the Gospel of Luke is or are the words of Christ. In other words, of all the verses, of all the words in it, half of them, if you have one of these Bibles where the words of Jesus are in red, for example, half of Luke will be in red. In other words, so much of what Luke had to say was not what Luke had to say at all, but what Jesus had to say. And so, uh, I want to have a bit of that now. Let's just simply see, not what I say or what a preacher says, but let's just see what Jesus has said. He says this, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you Whatever you ask in my name. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. The Father, or my Father, will give you whatever you ask in my name. Let me just interrupt. Are you sensing a theme here? Okay. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, this is what I referred to just a second ago. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. It's all over the place, isn't it? Jesus says to us, ask me for things. Ask me. I want to do things for you. So ask me. And then, piercing out of James, the epistle of James, these words, you have not because you ask not. We need to ask God for things. This last one I've just quoted here from John 16, verse 24, is an amazing verse because it says, if you ask me for things, I'm going to do them for you, You'll receive them, and your joy will be complete. That's interesting, because what he's, what he's saying, isn't it, to them, that their joy is, is currently incomplete. They are not full of joy. They're not full of joy because they haven't got everything that they need. Now, we'll talk about whether that's the same as everything we want. We'll talk about that in a minute. But they haven't got everything they need. So he says to them, you need to ask me for these things so I can give them to you because at the moment your joy is incomplete. Now that's amazing because 
these guys were standing next to Jesus, right? They'd just come back from a missionary journey uh, into Samaria where they raised the dead and cast out demons and people were cured. And, and these people sat and listened to Jesus. You might think you've heard some good preaching, but these people listened to Jesus. They were blessed by the very presence of Jesus. Some of them climbed up a mountain and saw Moses and Elijah appear. Many of them heard a voice speaking out of the clouds. I'd say these boys could really write a book. They were in a really good church, weren't they? Sometimes it got quite small, but it was a good church. The 12 of them with Jesus. And Jesus says to them, those people, you know what, boys? I know I'm with you in that, and it's all marvelous, and you've been forgiven, but you're lacking in joy. And the reason you're lacking in joy is not because you haven't been to a holy laughter meeting, marvelous though those may be, What he's saying to them is, you still need me to do things for you. You must ask me to do them. And your joy will be complete. You may feel, even as a Christian, even as a Christian in a great church, even as a Christian in the presence of God, that I still feel a bit down, you know. What's wrong with me? Maybe what's wrong with you is certain things you need God to do for you. And he's saying to you today, I want you to ask me so I can do those things for you. It's almost like he's saying, you know what, boys? I can't do those things for you unless you ask me to. If you ask me to, whoosh, I'll come and do them. I want to do them. Ladies and gentlemen, he says, I want to do them. But you need to ask me for them, and then I do them. Ask me. So the main reason why we don't get answers to prayer is because we're not very good at praying. That's the main reason. That would be my number one. Here's here's another. We don't persist. The very same Jesus who said, I want you to ask me for things, then immediately went on to talk about how the asking should be done. So he tells them this this, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the Disciples' Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. And he wants to teach them that. And then he goes on to tell them the story that we just heard read to us of the friend at midnight who knocks on the door. He, he needs, what does he need? Food, I think, doesn't he? Something like that. And the guy inside says, oh, I'm in bed. Don't disturb me. And because... The guy keeps knocking. Eventually, the guy gets out of bed and sorts him out. Because the man persisted. I want you to turn in your Bible to Luke 18. I want us to read this together. Luke 18. And picking up, really, just from the beginning. Well, we have a similar uh, story. Very, very similar kind of parable, Luke 18 and verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge 
who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what that unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. In other words, God is not like that judge who's mean. And God is not like that friend at midnight that says, oh, leave me alone. It's not that that is supposed to depict God. It does not. The bit that we're supposed to see is depicting anyone is us in the persistence. So Jesus says, ask me for anything and I'll do it. But then he immediately goes on to tell a story of someone keep knocking on the door. Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And there's no answer. So, Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And there's no answer. Lord, I need you to do this. And again, and again, and again, and again, the person keeps coming back. Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. Now, if you're like most people, what you'll do is, after the third knock, or maybe even after the first, and nothing's changed, you say, oh, well... It's not the will of God, or God doesn't care about me, and I'll just have to sort this out. But here's the will of God. Knock on the door again. That's the will of God. That's the will of God, that you persist. In the parable it says, they cried out to God day and night. If you really want God to do something for you, you have to ask him, And not only do you have to ask him, but you have to ask him in the way that he, the way that he reveals that you should ask him. Which is that you must go to the door of heaven in prayer and knock and knock and knock again. Until you're tired of knocking. And when you're tired of knocking, do a bit more knocking. And when your right hand Knocking on the door when your knuckles are wounded, move to your left. That's why God gave you two hands. Amongst other things. See, so we come and see, it hasn't happened where it's not God's will. No, here's the will of God. Ask again. Ask. Seek. Knock, which interestingly, in English anyway, spells out A-S-K. Ask, ask for things. I remember running a youth group years ago when I was younger than this. And I wasn't really gifted to do it, but no one else would. And uh, I remember I used to teach the kids all the time. We are going to learn something in prayer called the push Principle, P-U-S-H, push, pray 
until something happens. Except many of them from Birmingham. And so they would say, pray until something happens. But it didn't quite work. It hasn't happened yet. I feel for you. You've prayed about something. It's not happened yet. I feel for you. I know. I know the feeling. But here's the will of God. Knock again. Ask again. Ask me for anything in my name. I'll do it. Your joy is incomplete. Ask me. I want to do it, says the Lord. You must ask me that. I'm not going to do it unless you ask me. That's how it works. God has fixed life so it doesn't work without him. You have to have him. That's, he fixes life so he's important in it. And, the, and he fixes life so that you have to ask him and he'll do it for you. And that's how your relationship grows. I wonder how tired you've become in knocking on the door of heaven for a certain thing, for certain situations. I remember years ago, I prayed with a man called Big Steve and... Uh, he and I met uh, five mornings a week from 7 a.m. to late to pray about a whole load of things. And uh, we did it for years, certainly two, maybe two and a half years. And I remember Steve would come with a list. And I hope, Steve, if you're listening to this on your iPlayer, forgive me. But it, the list eventually became very tiresome because I knew exactly what he was going to pray about every day. <laughs> I'm going to pray for this, I'm going to pray for that, I'm going to pray for this. I could have done it for him. I, in the end, I thought, why are you bringing that bit of paper? We both know the script. And he would pray about this. So I remember, I can tell you now, he used to pray for Susan, David, and Jennifer. I mean, this is, you know, 10 years ago, and I remember his list. He used to pray for Sylvia. My goodness, he's all coming back to me now. Pray me I should stop talking about this. I knew, I can't even remember the very words he would use as he went through this list. And uh, my heart would drop, you know, here comes the list, oh God. And I would just worship God, you know, and let him go off on this list that he had. Okay, well, maybe he could have been a bit more imaginative, but actually the principle is right. Because the reason he was still praying through the list is because the things he wanted to see happen had not happened yet. So as much as I might have been a bit dulled and bored by his list, actually, he was right and I was wrong. Because we should ask, we should ask, and then we should ask again. Keep asking, keep knocking. I know it hurts. And you do get to the point where you ring on a doorbell often enough and you begin to think, no one's home. Or as, as in most cases with doorbells, you press it, you can't hear it, and you're thinking, either no one's home or the battery is not in. Shall I knock? But I want you to know, the Lord is home. He is through that door. The battery is not dead. But you must ask. We must persist in prayer. So we must ask, and then we must ask in the right way, which is to ask and seek and knock. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Listen, I don't need to be told that I'm going to find if I seek, if I seek in the first second or two. I need to be encouraged, if you keep seeking, 
You're going to find it. The other night we were here and uh, somebody lost their car keys. So we spent, I don't know, 40 minutes hunting every, uh, every corner of this. We found all sorts of things. Dead mice, chewing gum, I mean, everything around here. That's a joke, by the way. But we went through every little bit of this room. We, we, we've been there. Look, because we were seeking, 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 seeking. And after we'd thoroughly examined every tiny bit of this room, uh, we found the keys in the car park. Amen. Well, thank God we did. But you see, you only need to be told, you only need to be encouraged that you're going to find something if you don't find it straight away. We have to seek, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Here's a third one. This is, of course, the interesting one. We ask amiss. We can ask for things. We can persist in asking, or we can keep on asking, whatever you want to say. And by the way, that whole thing about keeping on asking, that's really a huge manifestation of faith in our lives. Jesus said, when you pray, you should believe it. Right? He said that, didn't he? Don't think if you pray, if you don't believe it, then you're not thinking you're going to get anything from God. But let me, let me say, I believe that faith can work in two very different ways. You can have the faith of a person who prays and, and immediately they receive. And they dance back to their seat or they dance through life. God, I just asked God and he did it. And that is faith. That's a manifestation of faith. They spoke to the mountain and it went out the way. But I've equally seen, and of course, many more people who asked and they did not receive, but they keep on asking. And I want to suggest to you that actually it takes faith to keep on asking. Can you say amen? I mean, that takes faith when it seems like the battery is not in the doorbell to keep pressing it to keep banging when it seems like there's no one home but you keep asking that to me is an incredible manifestation of faith because you are believing that God hears you and that he wants to answer you even though you've seen nothing change and in fact sometimes things grow worse when God began to answer the prayers of the Israelites and Moses went to Pharaoh, the first thing that began to happen was they suddenly had to make bricks without the straw. It got worse first. So that's faith. Persistence is a real manifestation of faith. I'm going to continue to believe I'm still as sick as I was. Or I still have this I still have this problem. The door is still shut. But I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep asking God. I believe that he is going to come through for me. I don't know when, but I'm going to knock until I see something happen. That's faith. We ask amiss. This is when James 4 and verse 3, he says, in, in James 4 and verse 2, the writer says, you have not because you ask not. And then he says, and when you ask, you ask amiss. That's verse 3. In other words, to ask amiss means we ask for the wrong things. Sometimes you ask God 
to do something for you and he doesn't want to do it. Because he's smarter than you and he knows what you need. And so we enter into an arena which is a little bit less tangible and a little bit less secure because because we don't really know everything God is thinking. And that's where trust and faith comes in as well. A little boy was so, for example, it's a little preacher's story. I believe it to be actually a true story. A young boy was totally in love with his granddad and prayed that he could be like him. He prayed every day, Lord, please, Every night, I go and see my granddad, and he has this amazing ability that I don't have. Lord, my grandfather, he can take his teeth out, and he can put them in a glass. Lord, please will you let me do that? And the Lord answered his prayer. About 68 years later, he was doing exactly the same thing. But it wasn't the will of God for when he was 10. Sometimes we ask for them and God don't want to do them. And he's older than you and smarter than you and wiser than you. And if he says no, then you want to trust him. I understand, and I don't have a real answer for this, but I understand there is a tension between knowing whether God is saying no or whether God is saying persist. Right? Do do, do you understand that? Is God saying, is God not answering me therefore I should stop praying or is God encouraging me to persist I want to, I want to suggest this to you that your default mode should be to persist and let God be the one who has the responsibility to come down here and tell you stop praying about that have it that way around does that help? I think that should be our default mode sometimes we absolutely ask for the wrong things That's why Jesus says a number of times, I want you to ask in my name. And I know we have a routine where we say in the name of Jesus. But actually, I I mentioned this maybe a year ago, I don't know. Whenever we say in the name of Jesus, what we're really saying is this is the will of Jesus. So if you pray a whole load of prayers and at the end you say in Jesus' name, what you're really saying is, Father, this is the will of Jesus. I'm doing this in his name. This is what he wants. It's not a magic formula. It is saying this is the will of Jesus. And of course, if you can't pray that after you pray, then you shouldn't pray in Jesus' name. What you're saying is this is the will of Jesus. So sometimes we, we, we pray and we pray out of the will of God. How many young people have prayed that, that Tom would marry them and he never did? And it doesn't matter how many in Jesus' names they uttered. That was not the will of Jesus. And you should rejoice about that. So there are lots of times when we pray and, and we, we don't get what we want. We ask amiss. But here's the good news. It's most or almost always because God wants to do something better for you. Don't you think that Mary and Martha said, Oh God, in Jesus' name, may Lazarus be cured today. But God had a better plan. He wanted to do something uh, greater. 
I remember years ago, I was living in Torquay. I just began in the ministry. And uh, we were church planting. And we got hold of a building, a Methodist, big Methodist church, double the size of this. Seating for about 300 people, if they all sort of crammed in, lost weight, but, you know, all on pews and things. And uh, so exciting. But even more exciting, the house next door, there was a flat. And the flat was up for, you know, rent. I could rent it. Or potentially I could. I thought this was astonishing. I'd just begun, and here was a flat next door to the church. Wow! So I phoned the guy up. I said, has the flat gone? He said, no, it hasn't. Do you want to come and see it? I've got someone here with me now, but do you want to come and see it? Yes, I'll be there in half an hour. And I got off the phone. Oh, I can't It's a flat. It's next to the church. Hallelujah. And you know, the Bible says every place you put your foot, it belongs to you. So I prayed that, and then I went in the flat. Ha <laughs> ha, here I am. Just, just testing the floor. Yes, feels good. And it was very small, I must say. Uh, I can see myself at it now, quite small. But I'm going around, yeah, I'll just, just go into the bathroom. There we go. Yeah, I, go, I could probably do this, probably. And, uh, you know what I mean? And, um, and I said to the guy, I want it. Can I have it? You know. He said, well, yeah. He said, actually, he said, to be fair, he said, someone came out to see it this morning. So ring me at six because they said they were going to call me then. And, and if they want it, they can have it. But if you want it, if they don't want it, you can have it. I said, of course. I said, can you just, I just want to have a look around. Can I just look around by myself? He went out. And I'm there in the flat. Ooh, shakarubu. This is the day. This is the flat that the Lord has made. Excited. This uh, looked out the window. There was the church right there. Thought I could park my car in the church car park. Anyway, I left. Six o'clock. I phoned him up. Got the deposit. I said, "Can I have the flat?" He said, "I'm so sorry." The guy who saw it before you, he wanted it. He wanted it. No, no, it's mine. I put my foot on it. Belongs to me. No, I'm so sorry. It's gone. I couldn't believe it. Put the phone down. What's going on now? I remember I just walked through from the from the telephone, walked into like a, a dining area, and I opened the paper. Thought, well, I better look for a flat now. So I saw one. Actually, it wasn't just five minutes up the road from that other place. So there was a phone number. I went over to see it. When I got there. I was a bit depressed. Well, the flat I wanted is gone. I'll see if this is okay. But I was a bit down. And then the landlord opened the door. And as he opened the door, there was this palace. Great big place. I went in the bathroom and I could do this. <laughs> which was pretty important to me in those days. And uh, there's this great big living area and I don't know what the price what I can't remember I just recall 
it was almost the same price as the other place. If It may have even been cheaper. I can't, I can't remember. But there was no sizable difference. And God had brought me into a massive flat. And I'd wanted the shoebox down the road. And let me tell you, it was only a year of being in the ministry that I realized that maybe living next door to the church wasn't the greatest idea anyway. Let me tell you. I asked to miss and God gave me something better. Now that's my funny story, but we all got stories like that. God will give you something better. You feel like God said no, but if he says no, it's for a reason. A parent looks after their kids. I know you're three years old, but no, you can't go out and run around in the road. Yeah, I know, I know you're two years old. You can't have an iPhone. No. I know you want one. But you, you, you can't have one. Wait till you're four. <laughs> What's that? You're two years old? What, everyone, all your Facebook friends have got one? Sometimes God says no because he's a parent. He's not your mate. Right? And when you're a parent, you can't be a mate. You have to be a parent. So he's not worried about you being mad at him because he's doing what's right for you because of his love. So sometimes we ask amiss. What else have I got on this? He says, 1 John 5, here it is. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we've, we have what we've asked of him. Sometimes there's a time. Let me finish just with this thought. Sometimes the answer is not no, it's just not yet. Delay is not denial. Do you know what? That two-year-old one day really can have a phone, but not today. And lots of times we ask God to do something and he wants to do it, but the time is not now. One of my favorite examples of this is actually it's sort of from the Christmas story a bit. It's the prequel movie to the Christmas movie. It's the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they really wanted to have a son who they did have, John the Baptist. But for years and years there was no child. And then an angel shows up in Luke chapter 1. I think I've noted this in my notes somewhere. An angel shows up in Luke chapter 1. And the angel says to uh, Zechariah, he says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. And what does Zechariah say? I mean, in my own version of it, he says, what are you talking about? Because he forgot what he prayed about 30 years before. But every prayer he'd uttered had somehow been logged on the heavenly file. Isn't that glorious? The things he prayed about were logged and they came into fulfillment. I don't know how many years later, 30 years later, 40 years later, who knows? Who knows when he gave up knocking? The amazing, when the angel showed up, he forgot he'd even prayed it. What are you talking about? 
And so sometimes there's a time. God may want to do things at a certain time. I never forget her. I told this story a lot in healing meetings of a lady called Maria down in, uh, in the West Country area. And she was wanting, lots of people were being healed in this, in this church meeting. It was a Saturday night. She was on the worship team. And she came for prayer. No, I tell a lie. She didn't come for prayer. She couldn't get prayer because she was part of the worship team. Sometimes the worship team, they never get in the line, you know. And uh, so she drove home with her friend. And she was cross because she wanted prayer. She had a very painful ear. Blood was coming out of it. And this problem had gone on. And she wanted God to heal her, but she was singing and couldn't get prayer. So she was in a bad mood in the car on the way home. Not a good idea, by the way. Not a fruit of the Spirit, that. But she was in a bad mood. And her friend said to her, well, can't I pray for you? Here. I'd like to pray for you. And she said, well, all right. That'll do. So her friend prayed for her in the car. And she was not cured. Um, demonstrably there in the cars. There's still blood. It was still painful. She went to bed. And when she woke up in the morning, all the blood had dried up and all the pain had gone. And I saw her 12 months later, exactly almost 12 months later. She was still healed. There's still no problem. And you see, what God had wanted to do, he wanted to use that lady in the car, not me. Because he had a purpose in a little, in a little delay. So I want to encourage you, sometimes God will have a purpose in delaying an answer. God will not answer any prayer that will in fact uh, create in you pride. He won't answer prayer for you that will do something detrimental to your character. God does want us happy, but he wants us holy more. So he doesn't always say yes. He treats us like a parent treats a child. And when the time is right, boy, God will, God will come through. So we can ask amiss. We can ask for the wrong things. James says you ask amiss so you can spend it on your lusts. Don't you go out buying a lottery ticket going in the name of Jesus, Lord. What are the numbers? Lord, don't ever think to yourself, I'm going to park right here. Lord, I pray, blind the traffic warden. No, he can't get you. <laughs> Lord, just for five minutes. Oh, all right then. No. Sometimes we ask amiss. But you know, let me repeat what I said. Let the default mode be we ask and we ask and we ask. Tonight, we're going to meet together. Seven o'clock. I want to encourage you to come. And we are going to ask God for things. When Jesus says to the disciples, I want you to ask me for things, there's a sense of specific, isn't there? Do you, do you kind of feel that in those words? He's like, I want you to specifically ask me for things. So it's good to be specific. God may not answer you as specifically as you ask him. But it's not, it's not impolite, it's not irreverent to say to God, Lord, this is what I am asking you for. Ask me, he says. 
So your joy will be complete. Let's all stand up. If you're listening on the net, God bless you. Let's uh, finish. You all see the screen, right?